Sometimes you just got to begin to chase a dream that is bigger than you. Sometimes when it seems like you're so far behind, you'll never catch up. You got to get up on your feet. You can't wait on other people to be what you've been called to be. Hello and welcome to the Ugly Daughter Podcast. This is Julia Legian. Today I'll be speaking with my dear friend C.S. Bork. He's the famous author of Mr. Rainbow series. He's also a talented and an award-winning author. Hello, C.S. Welcome to the show. How are you, Julia? It's lovely to talk to you. So first of all, I would like to ask you to share a bit about your background with our listeners today, if you don't mind. Yep. Uh, it's a... I've uh, had a varied background. Uh, Julia, I'm, I'm 73, so I've got a big background. Oh, you look uh, very much, young for your age. <laughs> <laughs> much bigger background. You look only 20. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, we, we, <laughs> you have to give me the secret <laughs> recipe later. <laughs> Flatter away. Flatter away. But it's not the sign if I do look younger than my years. It's not a sign of an easy life. We've all, all done and uh, had uh, multi-series experiences. Uh, but I was a journalist mm-hmm. and uh, always wanted to write. And uh, it's a matter of uh, the stars aligning, and they have finally done that. So in the last uh, eight years or so, I've um, written seven books on my eighth now. Can you tell us what had you done before those years? Yeah, before that I was uh, pretty... Uh, stupid uh, 20-year-old. In my 20s, I didn't know quite what I was doing, um, uh, but I got married, uh, had children, and in, uh, when I was 30, I became a, an alderman, what's now called a counsellor. And uh, that was a very interesting experience, but one that I would never want to repeat, because uh, you have to be a politician and you have to do things you're at everyone's beck and call. And then, although money's not important, uh, certainly it was then with a young family, uh, we didn't get paid anything. We got paid uh, $10 for, for every meeting, but meetings were just the tip of the iceberg. So that turns me off politics anyway, Julia. Um, I never want to be a politician. Well, you should go back in now because now you can make much more money and you can rip the system off too. <laughs> <laughs> you can, and you've nailed it in one. It's exactly what politicians do and what turned me off it is that however many principles you have when you go in, yeah. they gradually sort of disappear one by one. And uh, to achieve anything, you need to do deals. And uh, in doing deals, you lose your principles. And when you lose your principles, I think you've lost everything, Julia. Yeah. Uh, but that was my uh, middle years from 30 to 36. And uh, then I went back to journalism. And um, that was a wonderful career, a wonderful career. You're allowed to be rude to politicians, Julia. So did you take your revenge? Uh, sorry? Did you take your revenge? Uh, no, it wasn't revenge as such. It's just that I knew the animal. Okay. I knew the animal that I was hunting, and that meant that I knew the color of his eyes, uh-huh. and uh, and um, so I could talk to him, and I knew what to look for and the questions to ask. And so that was fun. Yeah, uh, got lots of nice stories and uh, wonderful experiences. It was uh, a great part of my life. Uh-huh. Uh, but then then I got divorced, and all the 
carers uh, adherent to that mm-hmm. of uh, losing your family, basically. Yeah. And uh, you just have to grit your teeth and soldier on, yeah. as we all do. A lot of people have suffer a great deal more for them than, than <laughs> I first began. I hope you didn't <laughs> lose all your money through the divorce. <laughs> well, well, each time you divorce, you lose half your money. Uh, but I was going to say, Julia, that uh, the experiences you have gone through uh-huh. are far and far, far more terrifying than anything that's happened to me. Uh, I look at my life and I feel a little bit guilty when I compare it with yours and what you've gone through. Um, Not much, anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a great deal. <laughs> but one way or another, I got married a second time, and and uh, that didn't turn out so well either. Except uh, I uh, uh, got a lovely daughter out of it, uh-huh. um, and that's the wonderful thing about marriage. Uh, then finally, uh, I met and married Judith, and live here yeah. in the place that she used to inhabit near Bathurst. And uh, it's a wonderful part of my life, I tell you, a wonderful time of my life. Yeah, so that's a huge change from Sydney's harbour to yes. uh, a a teeny country town, which is, in my opinion, in the middle of nowhere. That's right. <laughs> How did you come to that decision? <laughs> well, you did right. I, I lived on a boat in Sydney Harbour, and that was fun with my daughter who was then I think uh, 14, something like that, and uh, we used to have to huddle in, she'd huddle in the rowboat, yeah. and I'd row ashore, and she'd inevitably be wet and bedraggled and have to change <laughs> into her school uniform in the van, yeah. and of course, when a girl reaches that age, she wants to, um, she's got a few more standards, higher standards <laughs> than she might, might have had as a child, <laughs> so she thought, well, it's time to go, and live with mum on a more or less permanent basis and so uh, I sold the boat and, and came up here and kept on going west so I had this idea in my mind that I'd write kept on going west until um, I found uh, prices that, that matched my pocket and um, bought 20 acres outside of Bathurst in uh-huh. the middle of nowhere as yeah. you said <laughs> and uh, they were owned by Judith, uh-huh. um, this, this wonderful woman who kept on coming around and helping me plant trees and showing me how pumps worked and all that sort of thing. And so um, I'd take her out to say thank you. And one thing led to another and we got married very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and my children said, that's a bit quick, Dad. And I said, well, you know, when you're our age or yeah. my age, anyway, Judith's uh, uh, a decade younger than I am. Uh-huh. When you're my age, you don't hang about to make a decision, you do something because um, tomorrow you mightn't be here. Well, not only that, because you're in the middle of any, uh, in the middle of nowhere, so if you yeah. don't grab Judith quickly, you might end up with a few kangaroos or wombats. <laughs> yeah, well, we've, we've certainly got those. And, uh, we, we, we love the deer animals, although they uh, create stink and cause trouble for farmers and so on, and problem on the road and so on, but uh, they're gorgeous looking creatures. They're so prehistoric looking um, and uh, a bit simple, I think, but they can't help that. And we've got, I'm looking out the window now, and we've got the king parrots. They come down in their hordes and feed at our expense, but um, (laughs) we're we're happy to have a parrot cafe here. Well, I have to say you have a really lovely place there. I envy you. you. (laughs) And to me, it's a success story that you, you know, you met Judith and marry her because she's such a beautiful and, you know, lovely woman. Yes. I'm just curious, what role does 
she play, Judith play, in your current success? Uh, Julia, it's a wonderful question. She's everything. Uh, she makes it possible for me to write. She's a, an inspiration, uh, and as well as that, she keeps everything ticking along. I, I was brought up to be, you know, in the old days, you were the man of the family, you provided the money, you paid the bills, you looked after everything, the load was on your shoulders, and that's certainly not a situation in which to write. And uh, Judith has taken over all those uh, roles, as well as uh, providing me with sustenance and, and inspiration. She's here now, she's knitting away at a, at a hat for me, which she has made from raw wool, and it's a felted hat, and... Um, it's absolutely a beautiful thing, and that's her um, hobby. And now we've got into the habit. Uh, I write in the morning, yeah. and in the afternoon uh, we go over to the shed and Judith's felts, and I do a spot of painting, mm. uh, which I, which I'm not all that good at, but uh, it's another means of expressing yourself, and um, it's fun and rewarding. Yeah, I saw your work. I, I reckon you should stick to writing. <laughs> That's a sort of compliment, I think. It is a compliment. Stick to writing. You're much better at writing. <laughs> so I guess Judas is a, a big uh, winning prize for you. Yeah, and it's totally unexpected, Julia, because the address of this place is Solitary Lane, as yeah, you know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, it had a certain appeal for me because after a few uh, bad experiences, you think, no, I'll become a sort of hermit and live in the modern-day equivalent of a cave. Yeah. And um, that's what I intended to do. Mm. And I believe you when you said that. Yeah, sorry? <laughs> I believe you when you said that you intended to, to be a hermit. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> and um, I, I'm perfectly capable of it. Yeah. Because I'm a caveman at heart. But um, meeting Judith, it's uh, meant that you put all those uh, preconceptions out of your mind and, well, there's a new life. There's always a, a good thing around the corner, and uh, for me, that happened to be Judith. Mm. So while we're on the subject of success, I want to congratulate you on your success of Mr. Rainbow series. I believe that it's um, now sold. All your books are sold in major bookstores all over uh, all over Australia. Is that correct? That they're now in bookshops, uh, uh, Julia, in an omnibus edition. That means. Uh, in this case, that the first three books are together, yeah. and in September the next four books will be uh, put together, and they are it's selling for about thirty dollars for the three book together, wow. which is fairly good very value. Very affordable, it's, it's, very cheap. Yeah, and it, it's a lovely presentation, and uh, and I'm very grateful to the publishers for it. They've done a great job. So uh, the thing is that. You're only as good, you know, as your next book. And and um, I, I keep on writing with that in mind. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I'm working on the eighth book now. Oh, very good. So can you tell us uh, in a few sentences what Mr. Rainbow series is all about and where did you draw the inspiration from? Yep, the inspiration came when I was living on the boat. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a detective living on, the, on a boat. I went to uh, a writing class. And uh, we experimented with styles, and I like the old-time detective style. So Mr. Rainbow is a modern-day detective who lives on a boat, but he's an old-time detective. Mm. He, his head. He's the son of hippies. 
he thinks in and talks in the old style and he has to adjust yeah. to the modern world where um, women are equal and um, it's rather a shock to him uh-huh. and uh, that's that's part of the humour, if you like, of, of the book and part of the, the way the book works is he's trying to adapt to the 21st century. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, for instance, the first woman he meets in the, in the first book, mm-hmm. um, he, he says, uh, what do you do? And he thinks, oh, you know, she works in Vinnie's or cleans toilets or something <laughs> like that. And, and she says she's a brain surgeon. <laughs> And um, that is the first sort of uh, bucket of cold water over his head. Yeah. Um, you're in a different world, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, that woman becomes uh, very important um, in the series. And uh, more or less, I think, later on will take over from Rainbow. I mean, I read uh, the first book. And I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I got to say, you are—you have a really wicked sense of humor. <laughs> Thanks, Julia. That's probably what uh, what leads me to say that this terrifying woman is very much like you. Oh, <laughs> but I won't say that. I'll take yeah. it as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> it's meant to be. No worries. So how hard did you have to work and how many novels did you write before your publisher discovered your fantastic work and published it? Uh, well, throughout my life, I've, I've written, of course, as a journalist. I've written uh, manuscripts for, for books, some of them half-finished, but all of them chucked in the bottom drawer. Uh-huh. Um, but we were very, very lucky. We self-published the first book and... Um, at the launch, yeah. these publishers turned up. We'd invited them by mistake, oh, only wow. by mistake, in our enthusiasm to invite the world, yeah. uh, but no publishers. We had invited the magazine uh, that these publishers happened to produce, and they came along and said, we love the book, we want to publish it. Oh, wow. And here's our card. Well, I gave the card to Judith, and I said, don't lose that. <laughs> it's meant to um, be, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I suppose so, but then again, Julia, after 73 years, you know, something happens. <laughs> there has to be a bit of good luck around the corner. <laughs> 70 years, not it's not really too late, you know. You still probably have another 70 years to go. Exactly so you're right. only halfway it's, there. <laughs> it's exactly right, Julia, and, and my advice to older people is um, make sure you stay healthy as long as you can yep. and... Uh, and keep on doing it. Yeah. <laughs> keep on, <laughs> keep on trying. It's, that's uh, right. That's it's, right. It's uh, never time to put your feet up, yeah. even if you're a crook. Yeah. Um, and I've got a bit of arthritis. All older people have something. Oh really? And uh, oh yeah. Ah. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I won't go into gory details, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, I'm just surprised because you look so healthy and so energetic. I just, you know, ah, I just, yes. I'm just, yeah, surprised, that's all. Yes, well, I don't want to disillusion you, <laughs> Julia, so I won't. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, the old father time has been at work on my body just as uh, he is on everybody's. Oh, okay. So yep. I just wonder, I'm just curious, how many hours do you spend each day to work on your books? The the ideal is, uh, is four or five hours every morning, not just one day and... Uh, you don't do the next because you uh, need to go to a picnic races or something like that. But every day, uh, quite rigorously, um, and in the morning, because the brain is working much better then, and unbeknownst to me, and, and probably a lot of people, 
is that the the brain is a is a is a, an organ just like anything else that needs uh, energy, yeah. and that using it tires you out, um, just as a long walk or running or jumping will. And uh, so when I come out uh, in the afternoon, I'm, yeah. I'm quite quite buggered to put it frankly, um, but uh, quite tired. So how many hours that would that be? I mean, what time that's do you start? That's four hours. Four, four or five hours uh, every morning. But wow. you, but you think you know you think about it all the time. That's you a dream lot. about it, and and you're you're working on that novel subconsciously mm. uh, 24 hours a day. Well, no that's doubt like, about. That's I agree. But I mean, staying disciplined and to work every single day for between four to five hours every day. I mean, how do you stay disciplined? Well. It's the rewards are definitely there in that you want to write books, but really it's what we've been trained to do all our life is to go to work, yeah. <laughs> to, to clock in and do, do eight hours a day, and it becomes a habit. And doing four hours a day mm. is something that you love yeah. is so much easier, yeah. and it's so much uh, so so much easier to turn up to work and so on than turning up to work and spending eight hours a day just drudgery a lot of the time. Yeah, um, when you, you but, don't like what but, you do. Yeah, that's right. But, you, you know, it's been trained to do it, so uh, it becomes a, a, a good habit. Well, I don't know, but I find it it's hard to do. I think it's, there's something missing in my head. <laughs> yeah, no, there's nothing missing in your head, Julia. You're, you're an amazing woman. and. Yeah, uh, you know, it's always lovely to talk to you, and you are a definite inspiration to a lot of people, okay. and a lot of people acknowledge that what you've gone through and what you do now, and the energy that you got, fantastic inspiration for all. Oh, thank you. I'll pay you later for that compliment. <laughs> <laughs> so Expect I to see a check in the mail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so before we go, I just have a few more questions I want to ask you. And these yes. questions are personal. It's up to you mm -hmm. if you want to answer them or not. I will answer all questions. Oh, that's good. So how do you define a good life or a successful life? It's what, what I tell my children and anybody else who cares to listen. It's doing what you like doing. Do not do something for money. Money is just a little sort of additional extra that you've got to have yeah. to live on. Yeah. But if you do what you like doing, then you will do it well, then you will enjoy it, then you will be successful in your own way. But success isn't married, uh, isn't, isn't defined, calculated by the number of cars you've got in the garage or the size of your house. It's how you feel about yourself. And that might involve helping other people for nothing. Yeah. It might mean painting badly in my case. It might mean writing it might mean collecting and doing up cars, um, collecting cards, doing all sorts of things, adopting children, you know, fostering children or dogs, yeah. looking after animals. Um, but the odd thing is that mostly if you are doing what you enjoy doing, you will make a living out of it yeah. and you will enjoy it. I totally agree with you. What a fabulous yep. um, <laughs> tip. So, uh, does that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. I'm yep. expecting to hear that from you. You know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you would be in so much trouble if you gave me a different. 
answer. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm trying to give give answers that are, are acceptable to you, Julia. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, do you think a person needs first to overcome serious setbacks or challenges to be truly successful? Julia, that's that's such a good question, and it's it's certainly so in your case. If you don't mind my going back to you all the mm-hmm. time, because you you had enormous setbacks, and it's, it's a tribute to your character that you. Uh, have been able to, and that has given you the strength. Yeah. I mean, um, it's like starting a business in the depression. After the depression, everything's so easy, and you make success look look easy. Yeah. You really do. <laughs> it is very hard. It just you yeah. know I know how to hide them. That's all. Yes. So not not everybody has. Tough things in their background, mm. and I certainly don't compete with other people. Mm. Uh, but I think it helps. Yeah. I think if you, if, if you know, when you make steel and you need to make it strong, yeah. you temper it. You you put it in the fire yeah. and hit it hit it with a hammer, and and what you've got in the end is something useful and and something tough. Yeah. And um, I think that toughness is necessary as long as it's directed at yourself and not at others. That's right. Yeah, I agree. So in what way is it important to know your limitations in your life or career? Well, if what you do leads to a nervous breakdown, forget <laughs> it. But that's, or physical breakdown. I mean, that's not clever at all. Yeah. So in that regard, then you need to watch your limitations. But I think that as an overall generalisation, you should regard yourself as having no limitations at all because that's quite often an excuse not to do anything. That's right. And that's how people got to the North Pole, the South Pole, climbed the highest mountain, survived great difficulties, um, is saying, I can do it. Yeah. Um, it can be done, yeah. um, and 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 even not even asking the question, can I do it? Just going ahead. I mean, writing a book is impossible. Oh yes, so I agree with you things, on that. <laughs> yes, so many things are impossible, and when you end up in the end with something uh, approaching a book, or something approaching a work of art, or something approaching what you wanted to achieve, yeah. then that is just wonderful. And to limit ourselves is really saying, it's like a bird saying, Mummy, I can't fly. And uh, look, they, they do it. Yeah. Uh, so we can too. Yeah, anything is possible if you put your mind to it, I guess. Absolutely, no question about it. Yeah. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, yeah. So when all is said and done, what do you want to be remembered for? I don't, this probably sounds strange I don't want to be remembered for anything because unlike you uh, you know and I and I and I do um, respect other people's beliefs I, I don't believe in an afterlife or anything like that I believe that we are animals that we live and die and I don't want my children or anybody else to mourn my passing mm-hmm. I want them to be glad I existed yeah. but beyond that uh, to get on with their lives and achieve their own success yeah. in their own mind. But to be remembered, I'd hate to be remembered for hurting people, um, and I would like to think that people will enjoy my books after I die. And we definitely and, will remember you for your books. <laughs> <laughs> and as well as that, of course, uh, and before that, and more importantly, 
uh, that my children are happy after I die. I just want to point one thing out that I do believe in afterlife. So yes, I, I have no doubt, or maybe I don't know, but yes. I bet that you probably kicked the bucket before me. So yes, when you go over there and if you find out that there's life after death or there's afterlife, you have to come back and tell me, right? <laughs> I will tell you. I will tell you. In the middle of the night, you will hear this voice say, Julia, Julia, <laughs> there was something afterwards. I may, after all, I made a mistake. Yep. Just don't appear in person. Just a little whispering voice, but don't oh, appear. Oh, okay. So I don't have to go through the whole charade. Okay. <laughs> Not <laughs> the whole charade. I can't take it. <laughs> uh, Julia, look out for signs. You know, yeah, bolts of lightning and things like that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go, because you're such a hard worker, a talented uh, writer, and you are very famous at the moment for your books, what advice do you have for those uh, young writers or for our listeners out there that want to follow your footsteps? It, it's like that silly saying on the on the T-shirt, Julia, three words, just do it. That There's no alternative to sitting yourself down and writing. I believe it's no good thinking that you can do it in your spare time yeah. or that regard, or that you can regard it as a hobby. Mm. It is something you do yeah. and then your life, life wraps around that. And uh, just as an aside, it would be better to start doing that before you have a family and inflict, inflict your... <laughs> <laughs> inflict your problem on others. <laughs> I can feel Simon's pain, just like Judas' pain. <laughs> we, I, I, I think we should, you know, like, like you said, go to your uh, cage and just, I mean, go to your cave and leave the loved ones alone. <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, it's really wonderful talking to you, uh, CS, as always. Thank Likewise, you so much Julia. for your time today. Thank you very much for, for the interview. I've enjoyed it immensely, as I do every time uh, I, I chat to you. Thank you so much, and I hope you have a great day. Same to you. Thanks, okay. Julia. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you all for listening. That's all for now, and I'll see you in the next episode.